God is a good God. Last week we had a wonderful time. We got so many people giving, coming back and just giving a feedback saying that the Lord really ministered to them as we taught on the topic last week on the doctrine of baptisms. We've been doing this foundation series, yes, and uh, we have dealt with the uh, first few of them, but last week and this week I want to continue teaching on a topic called the doctrine of baptisms. Um, as we looked at last week, we saw how the word baptism, baptizo or bapto comes, is a Greek word and it means to wash completely by immersion into a fluid or liquid. And we looked at that word baptism. And we saw there were different kinds of baptisms usages in the Bible. We saw that the Gentile people used to, they used to have baptism. They never knew God. They never knew all the, they just had a form of religion and they used to practice baptism. We saw the Jews practice baptism. They had ritualistic washing and purification and dipping and believing that their sins would be washed away. We saw at the same time while the Jews were baptizing, John the Baptist was baptizing. And uh, his uh, understanding or teaching on baptism had to do uh, with, uh, uh, yeah, with, with repentance for the sin, but yet it was part of the Jewish teaching. Then we saw at the same time while John was baptizing, Jesus and his disciples were baptizing at the same time. And so we see that two brothers or cousins from around the same time, uh, from, you know, the children of two cousins, Mary and Elizabeth, and uh, they're having two followings happening at the same time, and both those groups of people are baptizing at the same time. So that wasn't really your best branding. Uh, but Jesus and his disciples before the cross, they were baptizing, calling people to come into the kingdom of heaven. And then we see that there was the Christian baptism. After Jesus rose again from the dead, we see that the Christian, every disciple, Jesus said, now go into all the world, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in today's time and age, people are arguing over, should we baptize in Jesus' name, or Jesus' Father, Son, and Holy Ghost's name, or Jesus, just obey. <laughs> the formula isn't as important as the condition of your heart. Amen. So we looked at the Christian baptism and then we saw that there are a few more uh, scriptures that actually refer to baptism in God's word. We see that there, are, there is a baptism called the baptism of Moses which is referred to in 1 Corinthians 10 too, where the Bible says that all the Israelites as they passed through the Red Sea it was called that they were baptized into the cloud in the wilderness and through the Red Sea. It was called, considered or referred to as the baptism of Moses. This is symbolic. It is not a specific kind of baptism, it's a symbolic baptism. In 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 29, we see the Bible referring to what will happen to people, those that are baptized for the dead, if the dead were not raised. So that is a practice that some people did at that time. But yet, since it's a single reference in the Bible, there is no theologically sound explanation that uh, why people who have died could be baptized. Because if you have to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, that would be the key thing. There's also another baptism referred to called the baptism of suffering. Luke's gospel 12, 15. And they said to him, we are able to go through the baptism. Jesus said, the cup that I drink, you will drink. With the baptism which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. So we see that the Bible refers to this, uses this word baptism in different contexts. And this one context was one of suffering. And the Bible says that Jesus was asking his disciples, are you willing to go through the suffering that, that I'm also going through. And they said, yes, Lord, we are willing to do that. There is a word used for baptism by the apostle, uh, by John the Baptist. And he said in Matthew's gospel 3.11, he said, as for me, I baptize with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is what? Mightier than I am. And the Bible says, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Everybody say Holy Ghost and fire. So here are two references to baptism. Baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire, maybe together. Or baptism in the Holy Ghost, which is one encounter. And some people say there is a baptism of fire. So whichever, whatever this experience is, the Bible says there is a, there is a fresh experience of, of immersing into the Holy Spirit that God wants every child of God to go through. That you don't have to live a life 
just based on your thinking. You know, your, your thinking is very arbitrary. Today you think one thing, five years from now you'll think another thing. Today you lived one way, ten years from now you live another way. But imagine if you could be guided by the Holy Spirit. Imagine if you could live a life of victory, of understanding from the scripture. Uh, that would be a life of freedom knowing that you don't have to be afraid of your current thoughts or whether it will be a mistake. You know that you can depend on God. That you could depend on the Holy Spirit for anything and for everything. So people ask, what is this baptism of fire? Some people say the baptism of fire is a baptism of purification that you go through, that you actually begin to live a more holy life. Some people say, no, that's not the baptism of fire. The day of judgment, the fire of God is going to test all your works. That is the baptism of fire. Some others say, no, that's not the one. They say there is a special encounter with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Even though you may be born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit. But some people say, well, the, but I remember the day. I encountered the Holy Ghost in such a powerful way. My life has never been the same again. So some people say there is that kind of an encounter. In fact, the Bible says that his ministers will be ministers of fire. Flaming fire. So fire in the Bible is always talking about various different things. The encounter of service. But the Bible also says in 1 Peter 1.7, the Bible says, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable even though tested by fire. Your faith will be tested by fire, which means there will be a seasons of your life where everything you believed, you will begin to look at. And you might wonder, Lord, is this for real? Has that been? Those are the moments God is saying, I want you to stand strong on the God that you have encountered in a very precious way. So if there are all these different kind of baptisms, this, there is one baptism that Jesus spoke so importantly about other than the water baptism. And this is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Could you say that after me? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you look at the baptism in the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist talked about it. Jesus talked about it. John said, I baptize you with water, but there is one who is coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We see that in the book of Acts in chapter 1 verse 5, again and again in the book of Acts, Jesus at the end of his earthly ministry and he is getting ready to take off and go and be with the Father. You know when somebody is going to leave earth and go to be the Father, you know it's at that time Maybe just before you die or maybe somebody else is leaving. You want to say the most important things at that time. You want, to, you want to say something that they would not miss out. So here's the scene. All his 12 disciples standing there with him. Jesus is standing there with them. And he is saying, I'm going now to my father. He says, but I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So that you will be my witnesses or my martyrs in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It was not a theological suggestion. It was a spirit world encounter that God was saying. If you could encounter God in such a way, then it would not be all about theology. You would not be sitting back and wondering, mm, the Greek of this and the Hebrew of that. It would be a real life encounter that you would be saying in your heart, God, I really want to know you more than I have ever known before. Uh, Lord, if they have known you like that, I want to know you. Lord, if the pastors have walked with you like that, I want to know you. Lord, if they have seen miracles, I want to see. You, know, you just heard Pastor Jesus talking about somebody who just got healed the other day. Lord, if they have seen healing, I want to see healing. Lord, what is the key to all of this? And Jesus said, the key to all of this is the spirit connection to heaven, the Holy Spirit of God. That is the beginning of an encounter with God in a way that you have Never really walked before. Apostle Paul had that encounter. The disciples had that encounter. So many people in the Bible you see that they had that encounter in the New Testament. And when all these people had the encounter, one thing was sure that their life was never the same anymore. So when we come to walking with God, I am somebody who says, Lord, if someone on the planet has encountered God, then I want to encounter him. I don't want to know how many people tried and did not receive it. If one person got it, then I want to be the other one. I want to know God in such a way that I can walk in that dimension of knowing the Holy Spirit. You can be the other one. You could be the one who encounters God in such a way. So when you look in the Bible, 
there are two experiences with the Holy Spirit that you see. One, we want to, for, for just for the sake of understanding more, one was in the Gospel of John and chapter 4. You know the story of the woman of Samaria. In a city called Sychar, Jesus was passing by. He and his disciples, and he sent his disciples to get some food. And there, while he was sitting by a well, a woman comes there in the afternoon hour where she was an adulterous woman. She was a sinner. And she came to draw water, and Jesus asked her, can I have some water? And she says, if you, you know, you know you're, you're a Jew, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Samaritan. How come? You guys hate us. Why are you asking me for water? You don't even look at us. Your people don't even respect us for anything. And Jesus looked at her and said, if you knew who I really was, you would ask of me and I would give you living water. And you will drink and you will never thirst again. Suddenly, here is this revelation God is giving this woman. You are asking me theology. I am telling you the truth of the Holy Spirit. That if you will drink, if you will drink from the Holy Spirit. Everybody said drink. If you would drink from the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about listening to a message. Because you can listen to a message like the Pharisees listen to a message. And walk away full of doubt, fear and unbelief. I'm not talking about just getting some understanding of the Hebrew and Greek. I'm talking about thirsting for the things of God. Jesus said, if you will drink, you will never thirst anymore. And she said, Master, give me that drink. I want that drink. If there is something that I can encounter, that I will never thirst anymore. I really, really want that encounter. So this woman she began to be introduced to the person of the Holy Spirit. Just for the sake of, of terminology, I want to call this encounter with the Holy Spirit the well experience. What is it? The well experience. She came to the well. What was the well for? The well was to draw water. Why? That was for personal need. There is one encounter with the Holy Spirit you can have, which is for your own personal walk with God. And this woman began to say, give me the Holy Spirit. I really want this Holy Spirit. This was a well encounter. This was for her walk. This, that is why everybody who is born again, everybody who has received Jesus Christ as your Savior, Lord and Savior, you can have that well encounter in your life. You can have that personal. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You don't have to be worried about whether the Holy Spirit is there or whether the Holy Spirit is not there. If you have really asked Jesus into your life, you have the Holy Ghost. Amen? How many of you know that you have asked Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That means you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Amen? But the Bible says there was another experience. And this is what I want to call the river experience. What is it? The river experience. The Bible says in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. The Bible says in John 7, 37 to 39, and on that, read that together with me, please. And on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and to drink. Amen. So if anybody is thirsty, you come. If you're thirsty, what is he saying? He's saying, come to me and drink. And what's going to happen? He who believes in me, if you accept me as your savior, Jesus is saying, as the scripture says, from his innermost being. From where? From his innermost being. What is the innermost being of a man? His spirit man. From his spirit man is going to flow a river. Now, this is not talking about a river that, that you are going to drink from. That, that it is talking about from within you is going to flow a river. What is this? This is what we call a river experience. What experience is this? So when you just for the sake of understanding it. So we see that there were two distinct experiences in the Bible. One was the well experience and the other one was the... To the woman at the well, she said, he said, I will give you to drink. But to everybody, he was saying, if you believe in me, then from you is going to flow something out. Amen. The well experience is for your personal edification. The river experience is for the nations of the world. Hallelujah. God is saying, I want to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That you will not only drink from me, you will now become a blessing to the nations of the world. Come on, look at somebody and say, you will be a blessing. Come on. Hallelujah. From within you, something is going to flow. 
from within you you're going to have an encounter the bible says and this is what the bible talked about in the last days i will what pour out my spirit everyone say that me pour out my spirit upon all flesh god wants to pour out his spirit upon everybody that believes on him he wants to pour out his spirit you know whenever you look in the bible if you see the usage in the bible you see two usages the holy spirit in me and the holy spirit upon me or on me holy spirit in me and holy spirit upon me and jesus the bible says that god wanted the bible says when it comes to the teaching on the baptism in the holy spirit the bible always uses the holy ghost came upon them something came upon them and immersed them completely in an experience with the holy spirit that was an immersion it was not just knowing the holy spirit is in them it was now being completely encountered completely being overpowered by the holy spirit being baptized or being totally immersed into the holy spirit in the old covenant the holy spirit did not fall upon everybody the holy spirit in the old covenant fell only on four groups of people how many four groups of people who were they firstly the holy spirit fell on kings then the holy spirit fell on priests then the holy spirit fell on prophets and the holy spirit fell on judges these were the four groups of people that the holy spirit fell on the holy spirit did not fall on everybody and this is why israel needed the prophets this is why israel needed needed the, the holy spirit upon these priests and upon the judges so that they could lead the nation properly but jesus said in the last days i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh does that include you does that include you that includes you and that includes me hallelujah he was no more distinction there was no more partiality or no more special group of people why because now the holy spirit was for all flesh why because jesus was now dying for the sins of the whole world he was dying for the sins of everybody and so if you look in if you look i've talked about these two experiences you see that jesus he died on the cross he was buried he resurrected from the dead and uh, before he ascended this is after the cross after he resurrected from the dead but before the day of ascension the bible says in acts in chapter 20 and look at verse 19 through 22 acts chapter 20 verse 19 through 22 the bible says that that acts sorry john's gospel chapter 20 john's gospel chapter 20 was 9319 through 22 this is after the resurrection jesus is now walking into room with the disciples in there so it says so when it was evening on that day the first day of the week and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the jews jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them what peace be unto you of course he had to say that the doors were shut all the disciples inside jesus shows up inside a locked room hi guys it's me so they're all afraid then he says peace be unto you that that is a very biblical usage he actually went guys chill it's okay don't get frightened this is not a ghost this is me all right that's what he really meant peace be unto you look at the next verse and it says and when he had said this he showed them both his up you know what he's saying he said guys don't be afraid this is me hello my side my hand and he showed them both his hands and his side and the disciples then they what which means they didn't rejoice until they saw this because they were freaking out now they wonder who what happened is this a ghost of jesus and he says no 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 chill this is me he showed the hand he showed the side and the disciples they had great joy when they saw the lord and so jesus said to them again what did he say peace be with you as the father has sent me i am now going to send you amen he is now beginning a new commission what is this new commission just like father sent me i am going to send you he's telling the 12 disciples don't be here in hiding don't be afraid i am going to send you if after saying i am going to send you the next thing he does and when he had said this 
he breathed on them what did he do he just looked at the 12 disciples and he breathed on them and he said receive the holy ghost this was the first time after the resurrection he now breathes on them why does he breathe on them and tell them receive the holy ghost because until then the holy ghost wouldn't fall upon fishermen the holy ghost wouldn't fall upon anyone other than the gentiles and the and, and and sorry upon the prophets and the judges and the kings and the priests but now after he rose again from the dead he came straight to the disciples room and the first thing he did is receive the holy ghost how do i know that this is a unique experience because it was inside a locked room is that okay inside a locked room this was the moment they became part of the new covenant with the with the holy spirit in them everybody say in them say spirit of god in them that was the well experience the spirit of god in them this was inside a locked room but now he's saying the bible says now jesus told them what did he tell them in acts chapter 1 he tells them i want you to now tarry in jerusalem where is this setting this is on top of a mountain he is getting ready to levitate and go off to heaven just before he goes off to heaven all the disciples are gathered all of them are really sad now and they're wondering what is going to happen next he said i am going to go back to my father but before i go back to my father there is something i'd like to tell you what is it that you like to tell us lord so something very 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 important what is that tarry in jerusalem until you get the gift of the father until the holy ghost comes what not in you but holy ghost comes upon you until you are immersed in the holy ghost until you are baptized in the holy ghost until you are filled with the spirit of the living god tarry in jerusalem hallelujah what is the secret if any man listens to the message is that the secret if any man hears is that the message what did jesus say if any man thirst this is a key secret about your christian life he tells them i want you to tarry in jerusalem until the holy ghost comes upon you and then you will be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria and the ends of the earth about christian life everything has a lot to do with thirsting i had just got born again a few days later i was at this conference i think it was a week later or 10 days or whatever later i was at this conference i just got i was so hungry for god i had just got radically saved something happened to me i don't know what i was just so excited about jesus about a week or 10 days later where i went to this conference and at this conference one morning it was an in-house conference we were all staying there for four five days one of those mornings just woke up there was a 7 to 7 30 time of prayer before breakfast so i just went to the hall a hall like this and so many were just sitting and worshiping god somebody was leading worship someone i was sitting somewhere that side you know and i was just worshiping and praying and i was just minding my own business in the presence of god somewhere around 7:25 25 minutes into that time of worship i just felt the power of god coming upon me and i begin to feel some utterance coming i didn't have to speak it out but i begin to speak it out some words that i didn't understand shakara something like that was coming out of my mouth and now i'm being wonder what is this because you see i had never been to a pentecostal church i never understood anything about the pentecostal faith all i knew was that you got to be careful of these pentecostals because they will dump you into the water they'll push you in there make sure that you come out wet so i just knew that these pentecostals were dangerous people now thankfully because of that i was also very because i was unaware i was open to the things of god this is the key so many of us close our mind because we have heard somebody put some doubt fear and unbelief in our mind we have heard somebody tell us oh you shouldn't speak in tongues why because that is from the devil and you think oh if i speak in tongues that'll be from the devil now listen i want you to know something the devil's not the only one giving good things amen god is the source of all good things the devil is a counterfeit spirit he is the one who wants to imitate what god is doing He wants you he wants to cheat you out of what God is doing. He wants you to have doubt fear and unbelief in your mind so that if he can keep you away from the last thing Jesus said before he went off to heaven. He knows he's got you for the rest of your life. Why? 
Because the connection to a life of heaven is the Spirit of God. And that is why so many people, are, as I speak to so many people, who are deep thinkers, they are so deep, they get lost in their depth. They don't know how to find the way out. Why? Because of the different philosophies and the different uh, you know, things they think through. And, and they are limited by what they understand. But Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, he must come believing. That faith is the key to the new covenant. So Jesus said, I want, to, I want to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to be full of this Holy Spirit. And so Jesus tells them, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. So let's, look what, let's see what actually happened at that time. If you look, there are five accounts of the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. How many accounts? Five accounts of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. The first account we see in the book of Acts in chapter 2. What is this account? This is an account of the disciples in the, on the day of Pentecost. They're all gathered together, 120 of them on the day of Pentecost gathered together and they're worshiping God together. Amen. And while they're worshiping God, we see that the Holy Spirit fell upon them wherever they were. They were sitting and they're worshiping and there were some signs. What were they? Signs. What were some of the signs they saw there? Number one. That they saw tongues of fire come upon them. What else? There was a mighty rushing wind. What else? There was a noise. And then there was that they begin to speak in new tongues. Amen. So there were different signs on the day of Pentecost. The second account of them receiving the Holy Ghost was in, the, in, the, in, 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 in Acts in chapter 8. This is in Samaria. Samaria had just received the gospel. Can you imagine for the Jews... To hear that Samaria had just received the gospel, that was their arch enemies. The betrayers who walked away from their faith. And so the Jews were really upset with the Samaritans. And now Samaria received the Holy Spirit, received the gospel. So Peter and John, they go there. They go there and they begin to lay hands on the Samaritan people. And as they begin to lay hands on the Samaritan people, the Bible says that they received the Holy Spirit. But was there any sign that we see in Acts chapter 8 where they received the Holy Spirit? There is no recorded sign that they received the Holy Spirit. There is absolutely no recorded sign. But the Bible goes on to say, when Simon the sorcerer, when he saw, everybody say saw. When he saw that the Holy Ghost was given, he wanted to give some money to Peter and say, can you give me this gift also? Which means this gift was a tangible, visible or an audible or a tangible sign. Something that could be experienced with the senses. He saw it was given. Which means he either heard it. Or he saw it with his eyes. Or he sensed it with his touch. Or something. There had to be a visible sign. But we do not know what it is. And hence we will simply say. There was something. But we don't know what that sign was. Alright. So in, in the day of Pentecost. They received. They spoke in new tongues. There were different signs. In Samaria. There was a sign. We don't know what that sign is. Third encounter was in Acts 10. In Acts 10, in the household of Cornelius, the Bible says, while Cornelius and his neighbors, his neighbors had just come to hear what Cornelius had brought them together for. Peter was there. He preached the word. While he was preaching the word of God, the Bible says that as he was preaching, as he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. Which means the Holy Ghost doesn't need you to, to, to specifically be laid hands upon. He doesn't need that you're, some formula prayer be prayed over you. He doesn't need that some specific things has to be done. As he was preaching, when the Holy Ghost saw that the people were ready to receive, that they were thirsty, they were just receiving the word of God. Hallelujah. Bang! The Holy Ghost fell upon them. And they begin to speak in new tongues. I was preaching in a place called Kirgao Puna. Many years ago, I think this was December of 1999. That's right. December of 1999, Kirgao Puna. While I was preaching, there was this place called, uh, you know, a place, an ashram, which was led by Pandit Ramabai. Uh, many years ago, early 1903. It is in this place where the Pentecostal outpouring had happened even before Azusa Street. Azusa Street was 1906. In 1903, when Pandit Ramabai and some of her orphan children had gathered together and they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell so mightily upon where they were that a fire broke out that people actually came with buckets of water to put out the fire. 
And then they saw that these orphans and Ramabai is sitting inside and nothing is happening to them. They begin to understand that this was actually the fire of the Holy Spirit. So we were in the same place about a hundred years later. 1999, December, myself, my friend, Dr. Matthew, we were preaching there. And I was telling the Lord, Lord, this has got to be an encounter. This is the end of the century. In this very place, in the beginning of the century, you poured out your spirit. The end of the century, Lord, will you not do it one more time for us? We were preaching that night as we were preaching. The move of the Holy Spirit was so mighty. People were hungry. People were just thirsting for the move of God. And the presence of God that night as I was preaching... Like a cloud, literally like a cloud, the Holy Spirit came in through the back door, literally like a mist, like a cloud. I could see just coming in. It freaked me out. I got so frightened. I saw that the, the presence of God coming in like a cloud right from the back. I went and stood in the corner of the hall. I was so afraid. I did not want to open my mouth. Why? I was thinking, if I say one wrong thing, I'm going to mess all this up. I was, you know, the fear of the Lord hits you. And suddenly you realize you're so small, you're so limited in the midst of all your bigness, you are nothing. And you realize that God is just overshadowed and, and planning your life out in such a powerful way, even for an encounter. I stood there. After about 20 minutes, we came back. We started ministering. While this was going on, a young man boarded the train from Pune. And it was, I think, if I remember correctly, it's an hour's journey to Kirgam on the train. And as he was coming... He was sitting on the train. He was asking, Lord, Lord, it's been seven years since I've been saved. Seven years since I've known God. This is just not right. Lord, why am I not yet baptized in the Holy Ghost? I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. What was he doing? He was thirsting. He said, seven years, Lord, are you serious? And he was saying, the church I go to, they believe in the Holy Ghost. They prayed for me. Why have I not received, Lord? And the train was coming in. This is when the meeting is going on. In this, in this auditorium. And this auditorium was next to the railway station. Near the railway track. As the train was passing by. Nearby the auditorium. Here we are having Holy Ghost move. The cloud of his presence. Miracles. All these things happen. That side the train is passing by. As he was sitting in that train. Minding his own business. He was coming to this meeting. Minding his own business. Wondering. Complaining to God. God why am I not filled? God why am I not filled? The power of God fell on him right there on the train. And he began to speak in new tongues. Hallelujah. If any man, if any man thirst, that is the key. Jesus is looking for a thirst. He's not looking for information. He's not looking for how much you know. He's looking for how much you want this thing. Hallelujah. As he was sitting on the train, the power of bam hit him. He was just being speaking tongues in that, on the train. And he rolled into the railway station. He picked up his bags and he walked out. And he knew he was coming to his meeting. So he walked up to that auditorium. He came to the back of the auditorium. He's standing at the door. And he's looking inside the hall. And he's wondering what on the planet is going on here. People are getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Filled in the Spirit of God. If you thirst. Everybody say thirst. The key is to really thirst. The Bible says on Pentecost. There was an outpouring. In Samaria there was an outpouring. In Cornelius household there was an outpouring. He just thirsted for God. And God poured it out. Then we see the fourth account is in John the Baptist, the disciples of John. They in Acts chapter 19, as they're passing by, Paul shares with them about Jesus. And they accept Jesus Christ. The moment they accept Jesus Christ as their savior, he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, we haven't even heard of such a thing. And he said, don't receive the Holy Ghost. Then he prayed for them. And the Bible says, as he prayed for them, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And two signs happened. What are they? They begin to speak in. New tongues and they begin to prophesy. So here in Acts 19, there were two signs. But when we see in, in, in this, and the fifth account is Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 9. What happened in Apostle Paul's life? We see in Apostle Paul's life, Acts 9, Ananias the disciple comes and lays hands on Paul. And when he says, receive the Holy Spirit, he receives the Holy Spirit. But do we see any sign of the Holy Spirit? No, we don't. But yet in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Amen. So Apostle Paul spoke in tongues. So we see in these five accounts, in Pentecost, what was the common sign among these five accounts? Among the five, four of them, the common sign was they spoke in tongues. In Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. 
in, in Cornelius' household, they spoke in tongues. John's disciples, they spoke in tongues. Paul spoke in tongues. Then what about Samaria? If in other four accounts, the only common sign was that they spoke in tongues, then we can safely conclude what Simon saw was the common sign. But there's one more scripture. What is that scripture? If you study in Acts 11, straight after Acts 10, Acts 11, he tells the, the people in, back in Jerusalem, he says, do you know the Holy Spirit fell on these Gentiles? In the same manner as it fell on us in the beginning. In the same manner, Acts 11. In the same way. What was the same way? There was no repeat of Pentecost, Acts 2, anywhere. But Peter says, in the same way. You know what that means? He was talking about that common sign. Just like we begin to speak in new tongues, they also begin to speak in new tongues. Just like we receive the Holy Ghost, they also receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You have to thirst for this. When you thirst, God wants to fill you. Some people, but they ask a question. But are all supposed to speak in tongues? Now, these are the theologically inclined, some of them without thirst, and yet theologically inclined. Some with thirst and theologically inclined, but misled. Whereby some people who teach them, do all speak in tongues? How many of you heard that question? Do all speak in tongues? Do all speak in tongues? So we wonder in our heart, mm, maybe, maybe all don't speak in tongues. Now here my question to you is, you need to understand, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, to different people are given diverse kinds of tongues. How many kinds? Diverse kinds, which means, I want to show you in a moment here, that there, are, there isn't just one kind of tongues that there are different kinds of tongues look at me for a minute let me ask you a couple of questions should tongues be interpreted what would you say yes in acts chapter 2 who interpreted the tongues on pentecost come on no nobody interpreted anything the people outside simply heard it in their language do you understand what I'm saying? So if the people outside simply heard it in the language, why was it not interpreted? All right. In Cornelius' household, when the Holy Spirit fell on them, Acts 10, 42, when the Holy Spirit fell, fell on them, you remember that portion? Who interpreted? Did anybody interpret? Hey, Peter, why did you let them speak without interpretation? How dare you do this? Now, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2. Come on, look at that scripture. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2. Read it together with me. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to, but to God. Wait a minute. If speaking in tongues is to God, why do you want interpretation? Come on, somebody. Don't go quiet on me now. Why do you want interpretation? If it's to God, that's between you and God. Look at the rest of the verse. For... No one understands, but in his spirit, he is speaking mysteries to God. Then why do you want interpretation? But people say, without interpretation, you shouldn't speak. I'll explain why. Everybody said, different kinds of tongues. Say it loud again, different kinds of tongues. In the Bible, there is referred to, to about five different kinds of the gift of tongues, or manifestations or operations. The first kind of tongues is called tongues that you receive with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is a prayer language. Everybody say that loud. Prayer language. Say it again. Prayer language. This is a prayer language God is giving you to be connected to heaven. Wow. That's exciting. Why? Because how many of you want to pray according to God's will? Mm -hmm. Isn't that exciting? Romans in chapter 8 was 26 and 27. The Bible says, for we do not know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit himself, himself, the Holy Spirit now is helping us pray. We don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit in us, we are big helps. We're praying in a language you might not know, understand it. The common man doesn't understand it, but you know your, your spirit is beginning to plug into heaven. Hallelujah. One day someone came to me I love asking God these questions. Somebody came to me, was listening to me praying in tongues. And, and he happened to, he, you know, in the early days when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the only way I spoke in tongues was, was uh, two words, two syllables. Something like that. I can't remember. What. But this guy listening to me, he looked at me and he said, 
How silly can you get? I said, why? He said, how can rutu, 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 how can that be a language? I said, good question. I said, I'll come back to you on that. Because I need, you know, I thought that was a genuine question. How many of you think that's a genuine question? I thought that was a genuine question. If it's a genuine question, it's a genuine question. So I said, let me get back to you on that. So I went back to the Lord and said, Lord, I got a question for you. Simple. If you don't know, don't beat around and don't say God doesn't exist. Go back and ask God. I said, Lord, I've got a question for you. Lord, how can rutu, 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 how can that be a language? The Lord spoke to me something I'll never forget. He said, John, do you know how foolish man can get? I said, why, Lord? The Lord said, have you heard of the Morse code? The Morse code. I said, yes, Lord. Dot, dash, dot, dot, dash, dash, dot, dot. I said, yes, Lord. He said, if man can communicate entire messages across the oceans with a dot and a dash, Amen. How many of you techies here? If you can run this planet with zero and one, with binaries, come on now. You think God can't speak through Ru and a two? Are you telling me God can't do what you can do? Is that what you say? It suddenly hit me. You know why? Because the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man. Hallelujah. Amen. And the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of man. Every one of you that thinks you are strong one day, the Bible says it is appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. We will stand before the mighty throne of God. And if that is the case, I want this Holy Spirit. Because I want, if I have one shot at life, if I have one shot at life, I want to do this well. I want to live this right. The Bible talked to that. I went back to that man and I said, <laughs> I said, have you heard of the Morse code? Yeah. The Bible talks about there are diverse kinds of tongues. One is tongues with the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you receive the Holy Spirit. The second one is tongues with interpretation. What is that for? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, when do we interpret? Very simple. When you give instructions to the church, in the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 14, the pastors were coming to the front and giving instruction to the church in tongues. That's like Pastor Jesus coming forward and making announcements in tongues. Or me coming forward this morning and speaking this message in tongues. The Bible says if there is a message for the people from God, there are two ministries of tongues. One where we speak to God and one where God speaks to man. If there is a message from God to man, Please do not speak in tongues without interpretation. But what about worship time? Can we sing in tongues? Can we worship? Absolutely. How do I know? The last verse of 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Do not forbid anybody from speaking in tongues. He says, How I wish all of you would speak in tongues. It is a mighty prayer language. How many want this prayer language? Amen. Imagine you can pray according to the will of God. It's exciting. So there are diverse kinds. One was the prayer language. Second one is the tongues for, with interpretation, that is for instruction. The third kind of tongues is tongues for, with, 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 it's called unknown tongues. Now this is exciting. What is unknown tongues? Unknown tongues is when somebody is speaking in tongues and the hearer hears it in his own language. This is what actually happened on the day of Pentecost. This was the year, I think it was 1994. And we were in Karnataka, Davangere. And I was studying in med school at that time. And a whole bunch of friends had come down from Sweden. And they were with us for a time. They came to a cottage prayer. And while we were doing this cottage prayer, while we were worshipping God, I just was praying in tongues. After the meeting, these Swedish people came up, came to me and said, Dr. John, say yes, what happened? Do you know you were speaking Swedish? I said, really? Now, you know when things like that happen, you are actually really excited more than them. Because, you know, you, you know it's there in the scriptures. Do you know you were speaking Swedish? I said, really? What was I saying? I said, you were talking about the glories of God in heaven and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. I said, whoa. I didn't know I spoke Swedish. But you know what? What gift is that? That is the gift of unknown tongues. Why does God do that? So that the hearer, when they hear, in their own language, they are amazed at this gift. Hallelujah. Amen. If anyone comes to God, he comes 
believing. The fifth, uh, the fourth kind of tongues is called tongues with intercession. What is tongues with intercession? The Bible talks about it. You do not know how to pray. You don't know how to pray. Many years ago, I had a dear friend from, 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 from Kuwait. I grew up in Kuwait. I had this dear friend who was with us in, in those earlier years. As I was praying one day, now years went by. I went to med school. I was in med school. One night, middle of the night, 3 o'clock of the night, I just woke up. And as I woke up, I saw a vision. And I saw a vision of this friend of mine taking drugs. And I hadn't seen that friend in at least 10 plus years. I had no clue where he is. I had no clue what he's doing. All I saw was in a vision, him taking drugs. So I didn't know how to pray or what to pray. So when you don't know how to pray and what to pray, what do you do? You pray in tongues. Why? Because it's a prayer language, especially for those moments when you don't know what to do. Hallelujah. I thank God. You know, if you don't know what to do, at least pray in the spirit. The Holy Spirit will do something for you. I kept on praying in the spirit that night. I was battling for him. I was saying, God, you need to set him free. You need to set him free. That week, I went into a card shop. You know, one of those Archie shops where they sell cards. I went into a card shop and I'm looking through the cards in that city. I'm looking through those cards, wondering, I'm just wondering. And I turned around, looked to my left, and I suddenly saw somebody. Who did I see? This guy, who I last saw 10 plus years ago in another country. And here he's in this card shop, picking up a card. When I'm picking up a card, and that day or that early couple of days ago, I just saw this guy in a vision, taking drugs. I just went to him. I said, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing here? He said, well, I just came to the city. A cousin of mine is studying med school here. I just came to visit her. I said, wow, I need to meet you. I need to talk with you. Actually, I didn't like him because when we were younger, we had this running competition in Sunday school, and he used to always beat me. So this is one of those guys, you know, he'll get upset that, you know, he always thrashed me. He was really fast. But now this was my payback time. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody is good at something. So I went to him and I said, I need to meet you. When are you leaving? He said, I'm leaving tomorrow afternoon, 2.30 bus. I'm going back to where I came from. I said, wow, I need to see you. That morning I woke up. I was having my time with God. Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Around 8.30 in the morning. I'm driving, or 8 o'clock, whatever, I'm driving the bike out, going to college. Instead of turning right to college, I hear the Holy Spirit. While I'm praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, turn left. I said, turn left? Why, Lord? Just turn left. I said, okay, Lord. And I turned left. I said, well, Lord, where do you want me to go? Go to his cousin's house. Now, I knew his cousin. I said, okay, Lord, why? He's only leaving at 2.45. The Lord said, just go to his cousin's house. I said, okay. And I drove. I reached there. I knocked on their door. Somewhere like 8.30, 8.00, whatever. Knocked on the door. Cousin opened the door. I said, excuse me, has your, is your cousin here? And said, yes, he's here. I said, what happened? Uh, what, 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 uh, you know, I, heard, I know he's going in the afternoon. He said, no, no, he's getting ready. He plans to leave by the 9.15 bus in the morning. I said, okay, then I need to see him now. I said, sure, come on in. I came inside. I met him. I said, I walked into the room. I said, can I have a word with you? Locked the door. I challenged him. I said, I've got a question for you. He said, what? I said, are you on drugs? He said, yes. I said, you need to receive Jesus Christ into your life. You can't mess your life up like this. It is appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. What will happen to you if you go to a Christless eternity? Do you know that life on earth is so short? All your successes, all your stories is a whiff in the dust. What if you die today? How would you know that you're going to have an eternity unless you turn around from your sin? Oh, that morning, 9.15... I remember when I walked into his room, he was half, his shoes, one shoes, halfway on when I'm walking in. And he pulled that shoe on. He knelt down right over there. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can you see how God loves you? Can you see how God is so interested in you? Imagine if God could do that for me. What if God could do that through all of you? How many exciting lives could be touched and ministered? But if you could have tongues for intercession... The final kind of tongues the Bible says is angelic tongues. If you speak in tongues of men or angels. Now whether those kind of tongues are there or not really doesn't matter. But I just want you to know the Bible says that yes. That there is an angelic ministry of tongues. And if you today are thirsting for a touch of the Holy Spirit. I cannot do anything. But the Holy Spirit can fill you in a fresh way. Amen. Every eye closed in the presence of God. We're just going to pray together for a couple of minutes. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you really repented from your sins and said, God, I want you to be my King.
I want you to be my master. This is the spirit of glory. This is the spirit of heaven that comes on you. When you don't know what kind of decisions to take, the Holy Spirit himself will begin to speak to you. You don't know where to go. You don't know how to live. You don't know what to do with your life. The Holy Spirit himself will come in and begin to speak to you right now. We're just going to pray together. I just want every one of you to rise up to your feet. We're just going to pray together right now. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And this morning, even as over the next couple of minutes, we're just going to pray together. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, Father, we want you to fill us with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is here this morning. He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Don't let doubt and fear, don't let unbelief come in the way because one life and we're going to live it unto the Lord. Don't look for, don't look for the enemy to try to stop you from receiving this blessing this morning. Some of you might say, well, I'm not holy enough, Lord. I'm not holy enough. I want you to know the Holy Spirit is for people who want to be holy. Those that are struggling with holiness. The Holy Spirit is for such kind of people. Hallelujah. It's not for the saints. It's for the sinners that really want to walk with God. Wherever you are right now, we are going to lift our voice together. And every one of us that are baptized in the Holy Spirit already, I want you to open your mouth. And we are going to go and speak together now in Jesus mighty name. Speak together. As you receive the Holy Ghost, receive the fire of God. All over the place, just receive it right now. Receive the Holy Ghost. Make it. I sense the fire of God falling upon some people this morning. Oh, that's right. Just hunger. Just say, speak it out. Just speak it out. Whatever utterance the Holy Ghost is giving you, just speak it out. The Bible says, and they spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Lift him up, yes. Receive, 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 receive the Holy Ghost. I see faith rising. I see faith rising. I see faith rising. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Ghost. If you have sickness in your body and you want God to heal you right now, if you can place your hand on your sickness, place your hand on your sickness. We're going to pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray the mighty healing of God to flow through your body in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just receive that healing right now. Receive that healing right now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord as we 